0: Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from an inmate at New York State Department of Corrections and Community Supervision. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. To accept charges, press 1. You may start the conversation now. My name is John J. Lennon, contributor for Esquire magazine and the Marshall Project. I'm locked up for selling drugs and committing murder. Been in prison 18 years so far. Got about 10 more to go. New York State prison system identifies me as the number 04A-0823. So I'm a writer and I'm a prisoner. And this is a collect call from Sing Sing. uh, Hello, all. I just wanted to uh, give you guys, like, a quick update on the inside here in Sing Sing. I hope everyone's staying safe out there. But before I get uh, into this episode, I want to give, you know, all the first, the essential, you know, sort of people on the front lines and, you know, the healthcare workers a shout out, including my wife, uh, who's a nurse. I mean, I salute her, as I do all the nurses and doctors and COs even, you know, in Sing Sing. I mean, so there's been a little bit of... uh, uh, news, um, uh, today, uh, somebody died in Sing Sing that was uh, supposedly, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of tough to get, like, sort of first hand reporting, you know, because a guy will come back from the hospital, who's a porter over there, come on the tear and be like, you know, you know, they were just giving chest, chest compressions with, like, masks on to this guy, and uh, he's dead. They're waiting for the coroner to come out, pick him up, and that kind of thing. So you get these, like, reports, uh, and... Uh, you don't know sort of their veracity, and so I don't know of any prisoners who've tested positive. And again, I don't know of any prisoners who've been tested. You know, so that's pretty much the thing here. And guys that have been feeling sick have been going on a sick call down in the clinic and been told to like pretty much go back to their cells and like you know kind of holler back if it gets worse. I mean, so this is like kind of, kind of like my fear. Then there's guys that won't even report it because they're fearful of getting quarantined. Like, so this is my fear that guys are simply dealing with seemingly mild symptoms in in their cells. I don't think guys will be quick to report these symptoms because, you know, all your property, T V, radio, food, is in your cell. And you tell them, you know, you're not feeling well and then they'll and then they'll quarantine you. But on the other hand, the guys that have been, as I just mentioned, sort of saying that they're not feeling well, they've been getting turned uh around too. So it's kind of like you're you're hearing these like sort of anecdotal reports, um, you know, as the days go on. And then today I just heard, you know, somebody, somebody dead in a block. Wait, John, just to clarify, the person died from Corona or some other reason? Yeah, so we don't know, right, because he was never tested. But he had apparently, from the sort of uh, rumor mill, he had been feeling sick, the symptoms, but was sort of like holed up in his cell. He didn't want to sort of go down and get tested or get quarantined. Yeah, so it's kind of like this vibe where like when you're on the tier and you're like, and you're seeing you come out for, for chow or you're on, in my tier, for example, is uh, you could come out and... uh use the phone, like I'm I'm using it right now, and you could use the kiosk. We have these tablets and send messages, and everyone's pretty, you know, vigilant about, you know, cleaning, you know, the phone mic and uh, cleaning, like, the tablet area of the kiosk, like, you know, where you punch in the letters, you know, cleaning the bars of your cells, and everyone's pretty hyper-vigilant about that, but then, you know, then it's like, it's like you see a guy with a curtain up there. that hasn't come out in a couple of days, and. And you're like, what's up with that guy? Is he all right? You know, and it's like, it's that kind of scene. You're like, uh, you don't know if, if, and and then and then the guy's like, no, no, I'm all right. And it's it's like this crazy, like you know, they got it, you know. And it's it's just, yeah. You know, I mean, and we all live on top of each other in here, so it's that kind of thing. When we think when we think of self quarantining, like on the outside, they're saying, right, if you don't feel well, stay home now. You know, it's it's like think A Block and. you're and it's the largest cell block in America where tiers stretch the length of two football fields, open tiers stacked on top of one, of, one another. I mean, there's no social dins- distancing and there's no self-quarantining in that scenario, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, I just think that this this is going to get bad fast. Can you describe the gentleman? Was he in good health? Was he relatively young or older? He's in a different block. So what happened is The porter, the hospital porter, that was near the area where he saw it all coming down, like he was in my block, which is not a block. It's actually a safer block because you have, we have windows in our cells, and it's a preferred housing block, which I'm grateful for to be you know, locking here right now, and we get a little more privileges. We get to go out, come out, you know, on the pier and, again, use the the things I just mentioned. So he was in a different block, the fellow. So I'll have more information on that on the next update. But um, we're thinking it's in the building, though. And it's just like nobody knows because nobody's getting tested. But it's like so not that I know of. As far as you know, are there any necessary precautions being taken at a block? it's social distancing. I mean, the, to be fair, the administrators are doing the best that they can. And, you know, the officers are on the front lines too. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, people are trying to just keep their distance. And when, but there's, it's just such a small area and it's, you know, prison is just nothing but a, a group going down this corridor to go to the clinic, a group going down here to get some. So when you, when you think of a there's when you think of the second and third tier and fourth tier, there's a like a three foot walkway. So, so you're, you're walking past the head of somebody's bed, eighty-eight heads at a time. So imagine like walking like past the bedroom bedroom of eighty-eight people. Somebody smoking a cigarette, some guy sneezing, some guys you know taking a dump, some guys I mean, whatever. I mean, it's just like you're walking through the, their bedroom, literally. That's how we roll here. So, I mean, when you think of, like, preventive measures, I think the only legit preventative measure is for Governor Cuomo, who's you know, he's, he's a pretty hands-on governor these days, a pretty popular guy, and he's taking uh, these measures very seriously, by the way. But he has to take an unprecedented executive action and grant sweeping clemency to people who have served a majority of their sentences and earned accomplishments that put them in low recidivism brackets. That's the preventative measure. That's how you save lives. That's what Governor Cornwall has to do, period. And full disclosure, John J. Lennon does not have a clemency application. In. So I'm advocating for my peers here. I'm advocating for guys, you know, that have similar accomplishments of mine, as I do, that have college degrees, that are up in age, that are, you know, 50s and 60s. I think we can also nudge lawmakers in New York to pass the Elder Bill. The RAP campaign, which stands for Release Aging People from Prison, Recently sponsored this bill, which makes those 55 and older, I believe, who they have had to have served 15 years on their sentences, then they're automatically eligible for parole. Those serving sentences for homicide and other serious crimes. Were written out of the legislation. but I think they may want to rethink that. Over in, in your neck of the woods in California, Governor Newsom just granted 20 clemencies, 10 of which were people serving time for homicide. Here's a fun fact about the people that serves time for homicide. In 2011, Stanford Law School tracked 860 people who served time for murder that got out between 95 and 2011. None of them committed another murder. 1% came back for a different crime. So this notion that, you know, murderers, we just got murder on our bones, you know, is just patently false. And these are the sort of, you know, numbers that need to get out there when we're thinking about, you know, when these governors are thinking about releasing people. Again, this is just in a place where there's no social distancing and you're asking me, what's a preventative measure? that's a preventative measure. But like, take for example, a friend of mine is uh, Dino Caracelli. Uh, I wrote about him recently in the Esquire Swagger piece where guys have their own sort of style. And he's 68 years old. He's serving time for a robbery. Wild guy, knock around guy, When in his younger years. He's done 30 years though. I mean, you're talking about 30 years in on, on a, on, I mean, look, he was a heist man. He used to pull heist. He was, uh, you know, certainly a, a street guy. But today, he works with guys with serious mental illness. You know, guys look up to him for his wisdom. When you think of this notion of aging out of crime, which we've talked to specialists like Mark Maurer, and uh, they write, you know, sort of books and do studies about this. You know, the 68-year-old, he's aged out of crime. The guy's not getting out to to go (laughs) go pick up where he left off, you know. Let this guy go. I mean, I was talking to him last night in the yard, and he's like, you know, this is a tough guy, a knock-around guy. He's like, I don't know. It was a pretty stoic look he had on his face. Uh, you know, uh, the, the notion of dying of COVID-19 in a fucking filthy prison cell in Sing, Sing I mean, that's fucked up. I think we have to start thinking about, you know, humanity and mortality. And now is the time when we're starting to think about that. So there's an opportunity here for governors. I mean, I think many governors want to drop the rate, you know, I mean, of prisoners. But it's like, it's always this political... Cost-benefit analysis, understandably, that they're up against. Here's another back end. Governor Cuomo can do right now. Hundreds in New York right now have already been granted parole. Got a couple cells down for me. Eric Refik, This guy was a firefighter. He just made parole. He has four months now to wait for his release date. So, so he's going to be at like the apex when he's being released. It's going to be like the apex here in Sing Sing of, of like of of Corona. But Cuomo could let these guys out that just made parole. Like, enough with the release. Like, let them go. The parole board just said they're good for society. Let them go. Let them go home and stay with their, you know, their mothers, their uncles, their whatever, their wives. You know, let them, you know, give them a fighting chance. Give the Dinos who are incarcerated at 68 years old a fighting chance. Let them go live with his wife that's been waiting for him for 30 years. You mentioned on a previous episode that there was a CO that was concerned about contracting it. Do you have any update on that by chance? Yeah, so now eight COs have been confirmed to have it according to this. uh, Great question. According to the superintendent, that was last week. This week's meeting with the superintendent, guys just left the block right now. So, I mean, ideally, I would have waited for them to come back to give a more solid sort of update because what you have is you have the inmate liaison committee guys, uh, that represent the population he 'll and he 'll meet with the superintendent and and the superintendent will fill these guys in and they 'll come back and fill us in. He is doing a good job he 's doing the best that he can under these circumstances. He has his hands full, and this is not me in some sort of ass kissing way giving the superintendent a shout out I've, I certainly uh, but I do appreciate the job that he 's doing and his officers are doing you mentioned your wife is a nurse. Can you tell us a little bit of the things that she's seen on the job, like? Yeah, she works in a pain management uh, office. Uh, you know, but she's in the hospital. She's not sort of like you know, you know, tending to COVID patients. But you know, she's in. You know, she reports to the hospital every day, and, and you know, she has her family living with her. You uh, know, her mother who's elderly, so she sort of has to strip down, puts her stuff in the laundry. You know, takes a shower after work, and. She's a smart gal. She knows the the measures, and you know, you know, I, I wish her the best and her colleagues, you know, because uh, you know they are our heroes, you know, the healthcare professionals out there, and it's just like you know she and other healthcare workers, they're, they get up and they go into the into the fight, you know, and that's just admirable. I don't. There's there's a healthcare staff in here, you know. I mean, I salute them too. I mean, they're, they're, these are amazing people, you know. Yeah, you know, usually it's it's the prisoner like you know ah this healthcare sucks in that joint you know what I mean but like come on man these people I think they're just restricted of what they can do it's not like they show up to be, to to say all right let's give the uh, let's give the prisoners subpar healthcare I mean these people are professionals that took an oath and they should be saluted and I do salute them I will say you know in terms of the preventive measures I think that one thing's for sure if Cuomo does not take this opportunity to release people from prison and scores wind up dying in prison which they will. This may be hard to explain one day. And full disclosure, I haven't, you know, put in for uh, clemency, but the benefit of sweeping, you know, releases seem to outweigh like the cost. It makes sense economically. It costs $70,000 a year, the most in the nation to incarcerate a New York prisoner. Mr. Cuomo is going to have uh, some economic issues here with New York. So allocating money smartly after this, he's going to be thinking a lot about that. And the humanity of it, most importantly. I mean, say he doesn't take the sweeping measures, and then, you know, we have uh, you know, quite the death toll in here. What happens then? So, you know, I hate to put this politically, but he may want to think about that. All right, that's it for this update. I should say, thanks again to, I mean, you, Stephen, to you know everybody out there just on the front lines, and to continue the conversation. Tweet at John J Lennon One. Thank you for listening. To this is a collect call from Sing Sing. The caller has hung up.